This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, good morning. It's 7.06 a.m. on Friday, the 12th of January. You are listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokdar with Wong Xiaoning and Philip C. In half an hour, we are going to be discussing the Malaysia-Singapore Special Economic Zone and what that will mean for bilateral relations and trade moving forward. But as always, we're going to kickstart the morning with a recap on how global markets closed overnight. In the U.S., it was a mixed bag. The Dow was up 0.04%. S&P 500 down 0.1% and the Nasdaq closed flat. Over in Asia, the Nikkei was up 1.8%, Hong Kong's Hang Seng up 1.3%, Shanghai Composite up 0.3%, Singapore's STI up 0.7%. And unfortunately for us, we went the other way. FBM KLCI was down 0.3%. We always do our own thing, don't we? We always do. <laughs> well, for some thoughts on what's moving markets, we have on the line with us Laurent LeCue, independent market analyst and writer of the Macro Butler newsletter. Laurent, good morning. Thanks very much for joining us today. Can we start off with the latest on US inflation? Uh, the CPI it came in 3.4% increased by 3.4%. This is the most in three months. Does this mean that the Federal Reserve hasn't gotten a grip on inflation and that markets have been too optimistic on rate cuts? Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me again. Uh, Yes, if we look at uh, last night's CPI data, we see a reacceleration on the good side and uh, services uh, remain sticky. So it seems that uh, we are about to see the the second wave of inflation. It's not really a surprise. If you look back at history, inflation is always coming back in uh, two or three waves. So uh, I think that in the next uh, few months, we will have to monitor closely all goods inflation uh, evolve because uh, this will be the key for this uh, return of the inflation boomerang. Now, the P's of the S&P 500 and NASDAQ indices are trading at about 21 and 21 times, respectively. How would you assess these valuations? Would you consider them too high for investors to pile into stocks? Well, there are two things here. Despite this rebound in inflation, uh, the market is still expecting a lower interest rate uh, in the next uh, 12 months. And so uh, this has been a catalyst for the re-rating of uh, the equity market. Uh, We still see also a lot of uh, shadow liquidity. So even that the Fed is still uh, doing its QT, uh, the the liquidity from the reverse repo program is mostly uh, financing the budget deficit for now. So this has been driving liquidity higher. And as we know, uh, equity market valuation are mostly uh, driven by, by liquidity. And a quarter one earnings will be coming out soon. Presumably, expectations will be the mother of all disappointment here. Well, I guess that first we will have the, the fourth quarter earnings season starting tonight. And uh, I think that uh, the, the expectation for 2024 are relatively uh, benign for now. Uh, but clearly, uh, the outlook is very uncertain. And specifically, the banks will be releasing their numbers, I think, uh, particularly the big ones who we're looking at, the likes of like JP Morgan. But we also know that last year, 2023, there were record job cuts when it comes to the banking system. So tell us, what are your expectations and what does this then mean about the health of Main Street? Well, yeah, I think it's again a mixed picture. So if we look back at the fourth quarter, uh, we had uh, lower uh, long-dated uh, treasury yields. We had higher 
equity markets and quite healthy financial markets. So this is positive uh, for the U.S. banks. On the other hand, the investment banking is still uh, expected to do uh, very poorly. And uh, mortgage demand is really sub is still subdued. So I think that uh, we will see a mixed picture in terms of the banks. And also, in fact, uh, yesterday we had uh, Citi, uh, which mentioned a restructuring charge, which was associated with replenishing of the FDIC fund. So... Uh, it's difficult to know if it's uh, one shot for City or other banks will also need to contribute to this FDIC uh, fund uh, replenishment. And looking at the outlook for the year and other sectors, if we zoom into the property and construction sector, it didn't really have a good 2023. Uh, these sectors usually boom when interest rates are low. And given that rate cuts are expected this year, should we expect uh, property and construction to outperform others, other sectors than like energy and utilities? Well, if you look, the U.S. home builders has done relatively uh, well in the fourth quarter. Uh, since the the latest uh, FOMC meeting, because all this expectation of uh, interest rate cut, so I guess that uh, there could be some disappointment if the Fed is not able to cut uh, as much as uh, the market expect. And, and compared to other cyclical sector, I still think that energy is is a better hedge uh, rather than uh, <clears throat> property or home builders. Uh, because we have this uh, situation in, in the Middle East and the Red Sea, uh, which could be a big uh, tailwind for uh, earnings in the energy sector. So, Lauren, talking about energy then, uh, we did see oil rise. WTI is up 1.3% uh, to almost 73 US dollars a barrel on the back of these, like you say, rising tensions in the Middle East. And, of course, UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak authorising a joint military strike against the Houthi rebels. So what's your outlook then for oil prices? Well, uh, I think we discussed uh, this over the past few months. Uh, on one side, uh, demand is relatively weak, right? Uh, economic data from China are still relatively uh, lacklustre. So everything is on the focus on the supply. So... Uh, there's clearly uh, this potential disruption of supply coming from the Middle East. On, on the other end, Russia has continued to sell on the international market, I would say on the black market. So the impact of the sanction against Russia was not as high as expected. So all in all, I think that oil price, uh, if there's no um, escalation in, in the Middle East, are set for a stable um, outlook in mm. 2024, but the risks are more on the upside rather than on the downside. Do you ever see demand recovering soon in the next two, three months? Is that really going to be dependent on China? Well, the PBOC has started to inject the liquidity over the past few weeks. Uh, we will see more liquidity injection around Chinese New Year. Uh, will the Chinese government continue to try to stabilize the economy or even try to stimulate uh, the economy outside the property market? I think that uh, this would be a key factor for higher demand uh, in 2024. And then this will push uh, oil price uh, higher. And day one, uh, Thursday saw day one for these Bitcoin exchange traded funds. Uh, in your view, are you going to see institutional investors add these ETFs into their portfolio? Well, I guess uh, the issue with crypto is uh, the high level of volatility and also the high correlation of crypto uh, with the tech sector. So 
Uh, to be honest, I don't see really a big interest from uh, institutional investors. I think that this uh, ET crypto ETF are more uh, appealing for for retail investor and more oriented uh, trading oriented investor. But uh, for for institutional investor and those who think who are seeking uh, as a hedge, as they think that physical gold is a better anti-fragile asset than crypto. Laurent, thanks very much for speaking with us. That was Laurent Lequeux, independent market analyst and writer of the Macro Butler newsletter, commenting on some of the trends that he sees moving markets in the days and weeks ahead. Ending the conversation there with a, a rather lackluster assessment of the crypto outlook for now. But we are going to be covering this story in more depth a little bit later on in the show. Let's turn our attention to a couple of other headlines that have caught our eye this morning. Uh, coming from the rental giant Hertz. So Hertz Global Holdings is selling about 20,000 electric vehicles, including Teslas, from its U.S. fleet. Uh, and this comes only two years after a deal was made with Tesla to offer its EVs for rent. I mean, it's very interesting, right? Because the rental firm actually aimed to electrify 25% of its fleet by the end. But instead now, Hertz is instead opting for internal combustion engine vehicles, attributing the shift to higher expenses related to collision and damage for the EVs. As you said just now, the company had earlier planned to order 100,000 Tesla EVs by 2022 and 65,000 Polestar units over five years. But I do wonder out loud, with now we're seeing all prices rise, I wonder if we are rethinking that whole strategy. Well, we have seen actually some analysts cautioning that EV sales, especially in the United States, have kind of reached peak level. Um, demand is still there, but not as robust as anticipated. And I mm. think that's a lot to do with the way infrastructure is set up in the United States. So really, EV infrastructure happens mainly on the west and on the east coast in very urban areas. But as you converge to the middle of the United States, it's actually hard to find a charging station. Right. So the easy money is has been made by the EV makers. Beyond that, it's going to be a challenge. And Hertz, I think, is a classic example where the demand is just not great. So when people want to rent cars, they don't pick the EV option. It's so true, right? I mean, if you were going to use a rental car company, I would not use it necessarily for city driving, simply because you could access public transport or use the right hailing solution. So yeah. typically, you would use perhaps, you know, rental cars for these longer haul mm. uh, drives, which then you know, will contend with charging infrastructure constraints then. Yeah, and in urban centres, when you do want to rent a car, especially in like New York or even LA, mm. you can rent them by the hour. You know, you don't need to like rent them for days if you just need to get from point yeah. A to point B. But Hertz this morning, uh, down 40 cents to 8 US dollars and 95 cents, four buys, five holes, um, so not a darling on Wall Street. Consensus target price, $13.50. Well, if, if any of you are in the US uh, and you want to get a really cheap electric car, checks on the Hertz used car website shows that it's selling some Tesla Model 3s for as low as about 20000 US dollars. And that's half the purchase price for the cheapest variant of the sedan. Yeah, there's more than 700 EVs on shit on for sale, maybe you can get a, you know, a cheap But it's bike. in US and it's on the wrong side. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's a left-hand drive, Shaz. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I'm just saying. It's a bargain, I suppose. It's a Anyways, bargain. bargain for some, not for us. Not for us. It's coming up to 7.18 in the morning. Let's head into some messages and uh, we'll come back with uh, more stories from local newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.